February 21st, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus went back across to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. A leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, came and fell down before him, pleading with him to heal his little daughter. She is about to die, he said in desperation. Please come and place your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and the crowd thronged behind. And there was a woman in the crowd who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors through the years and had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she was worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, If I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel that she had been healed. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, All this crowd is pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You have been healed. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from Jairus's home with the message, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus ignored their comments and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just trust me. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter and James and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the commotion and the weeping and wailing. He went inside and spoke to the people. Why all this weeping and commotion, he asked. The child isn't dead. She is only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he told them all to go outside. Then he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Get up, little girl. And the girl, who was twelve years old, immediately stood up and walked around. Her parents were absolutely overwhelmed. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what had happened, and he told them to give her something to eat. Psalm chapter 38, verses 1 through 22. This is the third of what we call the penitential psalms, and it reveals what happens to you when you sin. We'll learn about what God does. See, God loves you too much to allow you to sin and get away with it. If you disobey, He will first rebuke you and then chasten you. He will shoot His arrows from a distance or come closer and put His hand on you, but He will let you know that He is displeased. What sin does? We'll learn about that. David suffered from sickness because of his sins. He carried a heavy burden and was crushed under it. He sighed and panted and was ready to quit. 
Sin comes as a friend to entice you and then becomes a master to enslave you. Let him who has ears to hear listen and heed. What people do. Sin puts a wall between you and those who can help you, but it builds a bridge between you and those who want to exploit you and hurt you. And we'll learn about what the sinner must do. The only hope is to confess sin and cry out to God for mercy. He promises to forgive, so claim His promise. In the area of sex and sexuality, I think we all know something's terribly wrong. Nobody's exempt. We're all in this together. Sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. It's just a magazine. It's just a glance. It's just a thought. It's just a phone call. It's just a fun, flirty moment with a fellow employee. What's the big deal? This won't bind me. This won't control me. And then you come back and you go, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not who I am. And you have a good string of days or weeks or months, but then you're back again. It's this sick cycle and you keep thinking, I'm going to try harder. And you've got tears. And maybe you're married and you're expressing to your spouse, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not who I am. I'll, 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 I'm going to try harder. You'll see, I'm going to beat this. You are no match for sin. You are no match for temptation. What's the hope? Is it a principle? Is it a concept? Is it philosophy? Psychology? Is that the hope for humanity who suffers secretly sexually for restoring true sexual freedom, fulfillment, satisfaction, and wholeness? No. There's only one answer and there's only one antidote. And it is not a concept, an idea, a principle, a strategy or a process, he's a person. The only hope for sexual purity in today's society is the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. When your eyes and your heart and your emotions get captured by the beauty and the majesty and the loveliness of Jesus, it will cause you to resist temptation and look only to Him. Bondage, addiction, temptation, secrecy, pain, it must bow and it falls back at the mention of His great name. I am convinced that the blood of Jesus is the most powerful agent in human history. And he can set you free. For whom Jesus sets free is free indeed. Here's what I believe will happen in these last days. There will be a rise and a surge 
in the preaching of Jesus plus nothing is the answer to humanity.